Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the CII Podcast series. I am Vivian Fernandez. Atmanirbhar Financial Services for an Atmanirbhar India is the topic we are discussing today by which we mean providing better financial services as well as bringing the unbanked and the underbanked within the ambit of financial services in short financial inclusion our guest is mr sanjeev bajaj the chairman and managing director of bajaj finsaf one of the largest non banks in the country and the president designate of cii mr bajaj thank you very much for joining us and welcome to this podcast thank you vivin Uh, let me start with a paper which uh, Niti Aayog released for public comments in the last week of November, and that is about full-stack digital banks without physical presence. Your comments: Is that the future? Is it going to are digital banks, full-stack digital banks, going to be niche play, or are they the future? Uh, it's it's very clear to us over the last now decade, and in India at least in the last five years. there are a number of sectors are seeing significant disintermediation due to the digital world or digital technology digital startups uh, today if we think about ordering a food home or ordering a cab um, or buying something um, online uh, you don't think twice about it when you think 10 years ago you could only dream of these things now financial services has not seen the same level of disintermediation because it's a heavily regulated sector so you need the approval of the regulators um, for uh, any significant uh, change in uh, the ways of doing business but yet you have seen fintech startups insurtech startups uh, come in in specific roles and they are doing some very innovative work uh, it also brings us to a larger question there are in a country of 1.3 billion people where on one hand between the government and the private sector in the last uh, decade decade and a half a significant amount of the plumbing work has been done to allow digital financial services uh, starting with the government's focus on uh, jm which is the trinity of jandan accounts other as a means of digital id and cheap and uh, a large use of mobile phones uh that is allowing a large part of india to digitally access financial services and yet it is true that probably the bottom 30 40% of india still does not get cheap transparent and easy access to simple loans simple insurance policies uh that have been uh, uh created to suit their purposes now we have to ask in that situation is one type of bank which is a typical universal bank or even a small finance bank is nothing but the same thing in a smaller avatar is that the only way is setting up physical branches the only way to access customers in a digital era is uh, insurance through physical agents or bank branches the only way to reach the end customer and clearly the answer is no we can see in so many markets outside of india that digital entities in this case here digital bank are becoming real they may be niche they may over a period of time grow partly it also depends on what is the regulation that each country evolves for them but this is a area of significant trial innovation that regulators must permit and uh, the niti aayog paper is a way to really promulgate that thought and discussion 
so that we can take we can use technology to take banking and financial services closer to the last indian um, in the country in a manner that is transparent that is cheap and that is frictionless uh, for them but so when there is so much of uh, digital and financial illiteracy don't you think that branches do play a role though for example much of the cash dispensation as well, as well as cash acceptance is done by machines um, many of the banking transactions can be done online and banks themselves are discouraging branch visits yet don't you think that in india because um, uh, the internet telephony has not spread very far and also because of the people they are, you know there many of them are not digital literates so branch banking has a has a has a role to play if you compare what the role of a bank branch was even 5 7 years ago from what it is now there is some significant changes and there are some things that still remain today you can transfer your money into a bank account without going to a bank you can withdraw that money and make a payment because you no longer need cash for that you can do it digitally so you again don't need to go and visit a bank you want to take a small value loan you have got not only the bank but you've got enough other uh, uh, competition that offer that to you on the phone that offer that to you again through the web or through your mobile app so you don't need to go to a bank but yet there could be a situation where you want to take a home loan which is a long term loan uh, there is paperwork to be done that can't be done as easily digitally so you may want to go to a bank branch or to a home finance company branch in the same manner a simple insurance product if you want to buy say insurance to cover uh, your uh, your glasses from breaking or the screen of your mobile phone breaking and that costs 7 800 rupees you could very well do that online but if you want to buy a life insurance policy you probably want to meet somebody now that somebody can be in a branch or they can come to you so uh, what i see happening is that the way a bank branch or an insurance branch is organized will evolve in the coming years you no longer will need large monolithic branches what you probably need is much smaller ones with highly capable uh, teams that uh, are digitally enabled um, so that they can cater to the service requirements of customers for a few things that they want to meet somebody physically for and we can even ask ourselves that why should it there be a bank branch like you have insurance agents uh, that go to customers why can't you have uh, bank agents today you have bank correspondents which are supposed to do that if they can come to your doorstep why do you need a physical setup at all because there is no transfer of money there is no exchange of money that is happening that needs the security of a bank branch and hence you will see a complete evolution of this that will happen in the coming years and it is important for incumbents to lead that change otherwise somebody else will do it Mm-hmm. The founder of a financial technology startup said at a recent uh, financial technology conference that while you can do lending online, enforcement of the collections requires a physical presence. Your comments? Collections, especially for small value loans, large volume small value loans, is a very significant capability 
to build a good quality lending business whether you are a bank or an nbfc because uh, there are large volumes for for example a bajaj finance every month would collect 20 25 crore payments if you assume even if 5 7% of those people uh, bounce 10 12 13 people uh, lakh people have to be contacted uh, to ensure that uh, they pay the money back it is a huge factory in that you also have to keep in mind your fair practices code there's no coercion happening to customers but at the same time you're trying to convince customers to pay uh, it's important that you are able to record and trace those calls because if a customer legitimately complains uh, we need to see that the collection agent has followed the right practices otherwise we take appropriate action so this becomes a huge challenging effort but i can again tell you that it is a combination of digital it is a combination of uh, voice and the physical interaction is only the last bit for uh, where one is not successful with the first few so we use a lot of uh, ai that tells us with, with a past experience of customers which customers are likely to pay if you just send them a reminder two days before their pay date so uh, so they would get an sms as a reminder or on the app they would get a reminder which customer needs a call for a little bit more convincing or you try and understand does he have a problem which you need to address and which one needs a visit uh, so there is a lot of science to this as well but yes it is moving from being almost entirely physical to a combination of digital and physical and that's important because a last see we have seen in india and we've seen even through this pandemic there were genuine periods during the lockdown where customers were not able to pay because either their businesses were not running or they didn't have access to payment options but as things started opening up most of them have come back and paid us even for the past and what it shows is a very high level of honesty and desire to pay so you have to make sure that your uh, risk assessment and your collection systems take that into account and uh, are able to differentiate between the customer who wants to pay but who has some genuine difficulty versus the one who doesn't want to pay mm-hmm. sir i'm also quite uh, intrigued about your own business model where you provide uh, um, zero interest small ticket loans for purchase of uh, let's say smartphone or a laptop or uh, a consumer durable how do you make that viable well it's a, it's a combination of activities uh, our focus has been on middle class customers those that are trying to lead a better quality of life uh, those that have certain aspirational needs uh, from their home and their uh, transportation but also to things like televisions mobile phones washing machines um, all these kind of equipment nowadays uh, health related equipment furniture for their houses um, and uh, the model that we have built on is that if we are able to enable and in a frictionless manner provide a convenient loan to these uh, customers they will keep coming back to us again and again and that's how we end up making uh, a reasonable amount of money on these customers and also building stickiness with them a large part of this was Uh, the realization over a decade ago that manufacturers of products 
routinely discount their products to uh, achieve sales the if some of that discount was converted to uh, a 0% uh, financing uh, honest transparent 0% financing to the customer it could further enable sales and in 2008 we experimented with that we found that it made sense it uh, was a attractive benefit to customers and uh, as a result of that our entire consumer durable financing follows that 0% model of course we earn the money from the manufacturer we disclose it in our documentation so that we are once again transparent so the customer knows what we are earning but the customer is not uh, uh, worried about that the customer sees convenience to himself and he can compare the prices uh, at the stores he can compare the prices online today so he knows that uh, there is no trade off there on the price price is the same whether he takes a loan or whether he buys uh, the product uh, fully himself and it is this model that we have built on the back then because we end up doing in a typical month over 2 to 2.5 million loans so it's a large operational factory that has to work very efficiently for us to make money on small small value loans the entire risk assessment using a significant amount of data and ai plays a very important role in selecting customers with the risk appetite that we are comfortable with you talked about collections uh, vivian and the right collections uh, setup is very important because otherwise the collections cost itself can take away all your margin so it's a combination of these factors it's taken us a decade and a half to build and uh, that's what is helping today our customers achieve a variety of their aspirations mm-hmm. and these are small tickets small size loans repayable over a few months they provide you insight into the customer their repayment habits and that enables you to uh, sell more loans to them as well as other financial products that's absolutely correct so these could be for grocery from a 3 month loan to a 12 month loan for a consumer durable um, and um, on and maximum it's typically 18 months or so we of course do longer loans as well on the personal loan side on the housing loan side but these small value loans are the ones that give you significant insights into a customer's risk appetite buying habits what are the kind of products he is buying accordingly you can gauge um, what uh, uh, is the customer's income levels what is his payment habits as well and on that basis you do more with uh, the customers who have uh, a good payment behavior and they benefit as well because they get that added convenience for example we've got our digital uh, store cards which you call our digital EMI cards that uh, gives them um, a loan line which they can use um, when they want to go and buy products because a lot of people in india don't have credit cards and for those that are eligible for credit cards um, we have uh, through a tie up with the bank our credit card as well both the digital and the physical one uh, we recently got approval for our digital wallet and uh, we have launched that as well so a number of digital payment tools to enable customers to buy a variety of products is what we are focusing on and we continue to build um is this an example of a transaction based lending and can we say that transaction based lending is appending the traditional 
relationship-based uh, banking model? Very clearly, for small value financial transactions, the customer is driven by transaction lending rather than relationship lending. And increasingly, we are even seeing for larger value loans. Let's take a home loan. At one time, 10 years ago, you took a home loan either from HDFC Limited or from your own bank. Today, there are so many lenders who are approaching customers for that home loan that the customer is again transacting to uh, whoever he uh, gets a better deal with and a transparent set of uh, documentations. Uh, when you look at the insurance business, it ends up being a little different because unlike a loan, when the customer is to pay back, in the case of insurance, he's paying upfront and uh, he hopes to get his payment back if he has a claim uh, at the end of uh, the cycle of that particular product. And that is where we see uh, customers being a lot more choosy to work with brands that they trust um, and also where they see a demonstration of high claim settlement uh, uh, capability and these are all uh, public data that are shared they look at those that uh, are transparent and uh, that are fair to them and again using uh, smaller insurance products they build an experience word of mouth there are a number of uh, digital sites now which share the data on claim settlement fairness and speed and on that basis they build that capability and for us at uh, Bajaj Alliance both life and general we are one of the leading companies where it comes to settling claims both fair and fast because we believe that is really the moment of truth for customers. We charge a fair price because that fair price allows us then when uh, we when the time comes for us to pay for the claim to uh, be fair and to be fast. Mr. Bajaj, you spoke about a unique set of uh, digital public goods which the government has created. You know the Aadhaar uh, biometric identification, um, Jandan accounts, of which there are about 440 million and there are in all about I think 700 billion bank accounts that are Aadhaar linked as well as uh, low cost data plans and uh, the proliferation of uh, inexpensive smartphones. Now the Reserve Bank of India I think or the regulators have allowed uh, account aggregation they have allowed account aggregators like banks, insurance companies and the goods and services uh, tax network to share data of their customers with their consent to the lenders. Do you think that that is going to spur cash flow based uh, lending? This is a very important step and as we know the data protection and privacy bill is also something that will come out soon which will provide the necessary protection to customers but uh, keep in mind that the best way to assess risk is if you can see the cash flows of a customer whether it's a small business even an individual customer or you can see the salary slip of that customer because uh, as a lender or as an insurance company we can use that to assess the customer's credit worthiness and um, if you look at uh, MSME and SME customers uh, both the GST network as well as what you talked about the ocean network the open credit enhancement uh, networks that is there it will allow access to credit in a far more open democratic way to uh, smaller businesses large businesses can always access banks and multiple lenders 
it is the small businesses that don't get that access they are the ones who have to wait a long time to get a small loan they are the ones who pay very high prices this uh, ends up uh, making the whole process that much more democratic and i believe that uh, it can be a big game changer in the coming years mm-hmm. see we have vegetable vendors street hawkers you know who are in need of loans but they don't have collateral to offer but they have information you know the transactions they do in a day the money they collect so based on that do you think that uh, digital technologies can actually transform uh, microfinance and again the answer is very much so what i do hope in this uh, new data protection privacy bill is that they allow for the marginalized sections of society whether individuals or even some of these small types of businesses very micro small types of businesses that you are talking about a certain minimum amount of data to be available to um, all lenders because you know th- there's a bit of a oddity over here uh, i'm completely supportive of the fact that the literate customer must consciously decide to share data so the data belongs to him but the challenge is that the semi literate or the illiterate customer uh, or the individual how does he provide the data he doesn't understand what needs to be done and unfortunately what that means then is that even though his cash flows like as you're saying a small hath gadi fellow or little pan ka store fellow his cash flows if visible will help lenders provide him with financial products but if those are not visible poor guy doesn't get that money or then he goes and buys it uh, or takes a loan at a crazy rate from a local money lender so i i hope that we see a certain minimum amount of data that is available it can be on a government uh, platform so that the government uh, monitors it because that will bring access to people who are not literate enough to explicitly give approval and that should be a certain limited amount of information and the industry can say what that is and that can be monitored uh, on a periodic basis but i think that is equally important so we have seen um, uh, amazing um, public private partnership in uh, in the fintech space with the the government of the regulators creating uh, the digital public goods that have enabled uh, the private sector to ride on them and make um, financial services available to people who were uh, either to unbanked or underbanked now how do we truly make um, atmanirbhar financial services available for an atmanirbhar or self reliant india vivian this is a very important question that our country has to answer and together government private and public sector we have to make this happen because before we create an atmanirbhar india atmanirbhar bharat we have to create an atmanirbhar financial services or atmanirbharta in financial services in india no large economy in the world has been able to build itself reliance without building first a strong and domestic uh, financial services industry and we have also seen that some countries that went about building their economy before building their own internal financial services industries ended up sig- with significant failures like if you remember the southeast asian crisis of 1997 where over reliance on foreign inflows brought these countries down to their knees we can see that uh, whether it's a small country like singapore or a country like china they have built some very solid financial services entities that help them realize their national dreams 
and that's what we have to do so for example we must continue to encourage and attract all types of foreign capital because let us be real it, it will take a long time for a country of our size to build a very large domestic financial services industry so we must encourage foreign capital but we must be clear in which areas we want them to come in and then we must have clear and consistent rules so that they are also comfortable knowing these are the areas in which they can play these areas will be treated as equal beyond that we have to enable a solid set of public and private institutions in our country that can access our domestic capital and put it into productive uses you know for example today if you see the common man's savings after he has uh, you know bought his house and bought his car or his two wheeler goes into gold or it just uh, lies in an idle uh, fixed deposit uh, now if you buy gold money has no use if the money doesn't keep flowing if it gets stuck in a asset which is not yielding a cash flow then that money is lost for a period of time so we have to create an environment where we can convince and provide comfort to the average indian saying that your domestic savings must go into productive financial investments it must go into mutual funds it must go into pensions it must go into insurance because that money then gets deployed for the country going uh, forward we can see for example a great uh, story with insurance 20 years ago insurance was opened up to the uh, private sector at that time the you had one life insurance company lic you had four um, government um, Uh, general insurance companies each one was about 10000 crores in uh, size in their gross premiums annual premiums and when uh, insurance opened up to the private what will happen to these companies uh, will they end up suffering now of course their market share has come down but not only has the private sector grown the overall industry has grown 40 times when each of these companies have grown and uh, become more competitive we have also seen significant innovation and penetration improvement in uh, the insurance business and now this is our time to do that in the other parts as well so uh, we need to for example we need many more banks in this country we need many more large nbfcs in this country currently a few set of banks are monopolizing the lending industry as a result of that you're not seeing innovation otherwise why should a bajaj finance have evolved in the consumer and sme lending space in the last 15 18 years because the rest of them were not innovating they were not pushing the boundaries of what was comfortable to take measurable higher risk look at the number of fintech startups today they suffer from not having risk capabilities underwriting capabilities collection capabilities but they are creating tremendous experience for customers in niche areas in financial services so we need a lot of innovation we need more bank licenses we need more large nbfcs we need innovation in the type of bank licenses and we talked about all that so that then over 10 15 20 years we can build an atmanirbhar financial services for an atmanirbhar india so what you are saying is that we require more competition and we require a regulation that enables more competition so that there's going to be more innovation mr bajaj it was a very insightful conversation i had with you thank you very much it was a pleasure talking to you and all the best Thank you Vivin I enjoyed speaking as well Thank you for listening to CII podcasts